What's up, everybody? Welcome to the show. It's the Apple Bits XL. Brian Tong here, your host, doing the most for everything good and bad inside the world of Apple. Can you tell that I am hyped? I am hyped up because Apple this week just had their spring-loaded event, and boy, was it packed. It was loaded. It was more than what I anticipated, but what I wanted to do is, instead of me talking about it, brought in Rich Demuro to talk about all things that happened, our perspectives, our takes, what we like, what we didn't. So we're going to talk about everything that happened at the event and what also what other implications it might have as we move towards WWDC in early June, which is just a month and a half away, June 7th to June 11th. But before we get to that, let's just do some quick little business. First up, to be a part of the show, all you got to do is record a voice memo. There is so much to talk about. I'm sure you have thoughts on it as well. All you got to do, record that voice memo, send it into applebitsshow at gmail.com. That's applebits with a Z, your name, where you're from. Hey, give me a rating on what you thought about the event. Scale of one to 10, what you liked the most and maybe what you didn't. Try to keep it around a minute 30 and we will get all into it or maybe just focus on one thing and talk all about it. That's how you're part of the show. We will put your calls in next week as well. And I just want to get right to the show. So a quick mention, this show is brought to you by you, patreon.com slash Brian Tong. This is how I'm able to continue to do all my content. I'm so grateful for it. The live stream, this podcast, all my videos. It starts at $2 per month, $5, which is a cup of coffee. You get early access to content, bonuses at every level, and a completely ad-free version of the podcast. And also, we get a cool monthly meetup. It's a Zoom thing. You got to come and hang out. Anyways, patreon.com slash Brian Tong is how you support this show. All right, let's get right to it. It's me and Rich talking about everything from Apple's spring-loaded event. What's up, everybody? Hey, I had to bring a special guest. I had to bring the brains of this operation here. You know him from previous episodes, Mr. Rich Demiro from KTLA. What's up, Rich? Hey, Brian. Thanks for having me on. Oh, man, love having you here. Um, you know, we're going to talk everything Apple, the whole Apple event, our hot takes, our quick takes, the good takes, the bad takes. But I want you to kind of tell our audience where they can find some of your work if they're not familiar with you. Sure. Uh, tech reporter at KTLA uh, Television in Los Angeles. Been doing that for a little bit. Uh, Ten years, I guess. And uh, <laughs> just, a, just a little short time. And, uh, you know, my I, I do a podcast, Rich on Tech. I mean, look, it's, it's small compared to your podcast, which is like this worldwide phenomenon. Stop. But you know, I do talk tech in it and I, and I answer a bunch of questions that people send me. That's, that's what I do. I just answer the questions. People, they see me on TV, they email me and they Instagram me and they just say, Hey Rich, I have a question about this. And that's what I do. I just take an hour to answer those questions. I think it's a lot of fun. So that's rich on tech. And then, uh, you know, you know, I'm on the Instagram, all that good stuff. So it's fun. I love this stuff just as much as you do. Uh, and it's, it's so fun to talk about it. Yeah, I mean, Rich and I go way, way back from our from from those days at the other place. So I mean, it's always fun to talk to you. And you know, this event was jam packed with stuff. They called it, they teased it as spring loaded. And I remember when I saw the invite, I'm like, okay, how much are they going to really pack into this? Because this is going to be their first event for the year. But oh my goodness, in an hour, you're telling me they packed that many things into it. We had Air Tags, Apple TV, IMAX iPad Pro, we had uh, an iPhone 12 purple, um, and then, you know, a couple, whatever, side software announcements, but uh, this was a jam-packed event. What did you think about it, Rich? 
Well, like you said, the the jam packedness is one hundred percent. I mean, I I felt like this event was on. You'd ever hit that two times button on the uh, the podcast <laughs> app? <laughs> I felt like I someone had hit that because this was such a, a brisk pace that I'm sitting there. I tried to start like tweeting along or writing notes mm-hmm. and. Within a minute, I just I threw everything up in the air. I said, "Okay, I can't do anything. Like, I'll just sit back and kind of just do what I can to to keep track of this stuff. Like, just absorb it, and then later on, I'll just kind of go through it all." But uh, yeah, a lot of new stuff. I mean, the purple iPhone. You joke, but I, I don't joke. I love it. I love it. I love it. I mean, people people love you know to get their gadgets in different colors. I think Apple has definitely done a great job of coming up with unique uh, varieties of their products. And you know, I think you slap a case on it, so what's the point? But hey, you know, you still got it at the end of the day. When you go to sell it, it's purple. <laughs> when you go to trade it in, <laughs> hey. So you know, the invite the event. Also, I was looking down at my watch because I was doing my live stream. We literally hit the 20 minute mark and they had started talking about IMAX. So in that time, they were basically already onto their fourth product in the first 20 minutes. That was wild. Yeah. And I think that Apple's, I mean, they definitely mastered the art of the virtual event, the all digital event. I mean, the thing that's lacking in the all digital event is really the hands-on, like, you know, the best part about any Apple event is to go hands-on with this stuff after they announce it. And that's where you get, you know, Apple only gives you kind of half the story with their announcements and then they leave it up to the reporters to act as little sleuths. And you go into this room and you kind of say, okay, it does have that connector. Okay, it does have that. Uh, Okay, the software does do that. So that part is missing, but it's still really fun. And in this particular announcement, you know, the, the AirTag really stood out to me as kind of the most interesting thing for the average person that's gonna buy something from this event. You know, when you talk about AirTags, and that's a perfect segue, Rich. I don't know if you're reading my mind or not, but we'll talk about AirTags first uh, and we'll kind of build up to the grand finale and the order of products that they announced. But when you say how it appeals to the average person, my mom, love her to death, mama, she watches, for whatever reason, all my stuff. She's like watching the keynotes and following along and I guess learning and taking little nuggets. But she has never texted me after a keynote until this one, after all these years, and she said, oh, I'm definitely going to get air tags for your dad because he loses things so much. And that was one of those moments, right? When your mom is actually engaged and says she's going to buy something from Apple, she never does. Yeah. I was like, oh, oh, th- this is this is going to be a success, even though maybe we in the tech community, because we've heard about them for so long, because we've known about them so long, we've kind of poo-pooed them because it's like, okay, when are these things going to finally come out? But I enjoyed actually seeing them launch them. It pretty much did everything we expected. I, I thought the way that you can, with a precision tracking, um, you can find them, that was that was fun. But even Apple, they didn't really dwell on it too long. It was a real quick announcement, and they're like, hey, we already know, you kind of already know about this, but man... $29 for one, which was lower than what we kind of had heard expected, and then four for 99 bucks. Uh, what family that's in the ecosystem that has kids or multiple people isn't going to get these now? Oh, it's such a no-brainer. And I, I know that the, the haters will say, oh, this is tile. This is tile. This is tile. Well, it's not tile because here's the, the biggest difference between this and anything we've seen before is Apple has the power of their network. It's the network effect of what they said, nearly a billion devices. So if you lose this AirTag in Japan or Missouri or Florida 
or wherever you happen to be on a random street, someone is walking by with an iPhone at any given minute. Now, unless you're in the middle of the woods somewhere, right? But even then, so, I mean, the reality is they have so much invested with this, with this, um, network of crowdsourced devices. That is really the magic because with tile, it relied on someone who had a tile who installed the app and said, yeah, let me turn on the crowdsourcing. And that app was always running. Now on iPhone, I'm not sure it was on Android. Maybe it was, but the reality is this is just so much better and it's going to work. It will, we're going to hear stories. And this, by the way, is going to be great for Apple, the PR mm-hmm. of people finding stuff. You know, I found my lost dog. Oh, we were reunited. I mean, just the first story, we're going to hear it within weeks. Yeah, that's a that's a great point. Just just the PR because you know we saw how the Apple Watch. We started hearing stories about you know it it literally saving lives and mm-hmm. it became part of the narrative of that product. You don't hear any other product because of the adoption rate of an Apple Watch versus you know other products, uh, Android watches, Samsung. Um, you know you had you know Fitbit trackers and things like that. We don't hear major stories and constantly about that. The Apple Watch, you do, and to your point, like with the t- with the I almost called them tile tags with the Air Tags, we're going to hear about them as well. And I think it was smart that Apple opened up this ecosystem to third parties because we all know that look, you know, that was kind of like an olive branch, um, you know, and and tile may or may not get in on that. I don't see them <laughs> getting in on it, but you know, Chipolo will be on it. Am I saying that right? No, no, no. Here, here. This is how you say it, Rich. Chipolo. <laughs> It soothes your throat too. So <laughs> no, don't eat these things. Seriously. That's someone brought that up to me. They said, Oh no. gosh, story. You know, these kids, they, they like put everything in their mouth. This is a dangerous, you know, this is a little tiny thing. So we do have to be aware of that. Um, but you know, so you've got uh, the Chipolo, you've got all these bikes that are going to have this. And I, you know, I know you talked about this in a previous podcast cause that was a couple weeks ago news, but it's still huge that this this find my network is not just for this and it i think it's one of the most powerful things that apple has has opened up since uh since they've used their superpowers for all kinds of things over the past couple of years i 100% agree with you i remember when we first talked about or when i first heard about them i'm like this is going to be one of the biggest things that they have because the the cost of entry is super affordable it, it let me think about this other than maybe a uh like a charging cable and maybe a small little uh, five watt adapter. This is probably their cheapest product, but it's actually, it's not an accessory. This is an actual product and a platform. Um, This is, this is going to be, I mean, you know, I know people might think that we're hyping this up, but I think this is going to be a really, really special part of it and of the Apple quote unquote ecosystem. And the biggest thing, when I say the word ecosystem, if you didn't think something else was going to lock you into Apple's ecosystem more, this is going to be kind of, to me, like that kind yeah. of final nail in the coffin of, you know what, once you're using AirTags, you're not going anywhere you're else. You're, you're, it's game over. And let me give you a good, a good example. Number one, the the brilliance of this is so unlimited. The more I think about it, mm. the more it's just like, why would you not have this on, number one, the Apple Pencil? Like, will they build it into that? Probably. Um, your AirPods cases, you know, who, I don't know, maybe not your iPhone case because your iPhone is, you know, by default, you can find it, but you know, anything else that you can think of that you might use, you know, a wallet could have this stitched into it. I don't know. I mean, there's just so many possibilities, but I lost my AirPods pro, um, 
uh, I think it was like, I don't know, last year, whatever it was, but I was eating lunch at, at a table and I put them on the table. I used them and I put them down and I, they just disappeared. I never saw them again. <laughs> and I walked around the little hotel grounds that I was at for like maybe a half an hour looking for them, retracing my steps. If I had a case that had, you know, one of these trackers in it, I mean, boom, it's, it's not only findable, but if I had probably had an iPhone 11 at the time, you know, I, it would lead me right to the thing with that, with that UWB or whatever that, that U1 chip or whatever it's called. I mean, it, that's pretty magical. And the fact that, that this just opens up so many possibilities for so many things, kids, people are going to put them in their backpacks, you know, and that, and we should also talk about the privacy implications too, because Apple recognizes that this could be used in a, in an evil way as well. Yeah, and, and I think they, I didn't get into the specifics of it all, but there's different things that happen. Like if if your AirTag has been idle and not, I guess, I think they said three days or so, it'll just start automatically making a sound. Right, like if you throw this into someone's backpack, yes, you know, to like yes. see where they go for the next, uh, which, I mean, I didn't even think of that, honestly, until I started reading on this. I'm like, ooh, that's that's kind of a, mm-hmm. a liability. So yeah, it will start chirping on its own. So you're like, what? what's that chirp I come <laughs> home every day? Why is my living room chirping? <laughs> Yeah, and, and that's that's really you know they had to when you think about this, of all the companies that are going to kind of deal with the privacy issues involved with a product like this, I know that they thought in and out about this because this is kind of that is one of their tent poles as a company, and I think as time has gone on, it's shown to be more and more effective, and more and more consumers are are saying I actually do trust Apple versus all the other tech companies. So when you talk about some of these other trackers and devices whether or not they're going to be part of this find my uh, accessory network people are also going to say oh i trust apple's more than anyone else's as well so this and is this is so layered that might have been part of the whole tile situation too that people i'm trying to remember cuz i only cover them a couple times but you know there's always that privacy kind of um backlash where people are like i'm not having this thing open in the background all the time on my phone like what what How, and what's the security on it but with apple you know that this thing is going to be rock solid from day one and they'll continue to learn from day two, three, four, because they'll just continue to make it better. It's not like they just do it and that's it. The Apple is going to continually perfect this. You know, I, I was excited about the air tags as well. I didn't think we were going to talk about this long, but it shows how excited we are about it. And I still actually want to talk about it more because, you know, they have the air tag itself and Apple showed off, you know, some accessories. Now I saw you post something about like pricing for accessories of how maybe some of these are going to be even more than the actual air tag. What did you kind of post about? Well, I, I, you know, so I I was going through and I did my story for TV and then I'm kind of looking at some of these things. I'm like, wait a second. It occurred to me that this doesn't come with a way to attach it Mm -hmm. to anything. So it's 29 bucks for the little air tag. But if you want to put on your keychain, you know, the, the old tiles used to have a hole in them, right? You just put it put it directly on your keychain. This does not. So you have to figure out a way to affix this to your stuff. And that requires at the cheapest, uh, people were pointing out there's like a $13 Belkin, uh, keychain. And then Apple there, which is probably going to be the most popular is, uh, a $35 kind of, you know, it's very, very well crafted mm-hmm. keychain. Then there's that Hermes. I think that's how you say it. There's er, like er, a- um, no, no, Rich, it's Hermes, er, like oh. Hermes. Oh, like like you made an error in your bank account when you bought it. <laughs> Hermes. Hermes. Um, 
you know, so that's three fifty for just the keychain, and then it's another four fifty for the luggage tag. Yeah, so four fifty, dude. Oh my gosh! I mean, I'm looking at my Amazon Basics. I'm eyeing some Amazon Basics luggage. It's like I don't think I could put that on there. I don't think it'd be allowed. It would like it would be like two uh, magnetic poles. Like you try to put them close to each other, and they would just repel. You know. Look, I think that this. The first of all, the Hermes stuff is so ridiculous. Like, come on, four hundred nine, four forty nine. I know someone's gonna buy it. Four, Apple's clientele. But someone four fifty is not a lot of money, and I know. so. In, and amazing for them, right? So Congratulations. it's good to have choices in this world. But also, Rich, um, if you do buy the kind of AirTag Hermes line, you you for, we have to mention that it does include an actual AirTag that is engraved uh, with the Hermes logo on the AirTag. So so you're actually oh, okay. getting a deal. You're you're getting a deal. Okay, so subtract twenty nine bucks. Okay, yes. so I like that. Yeah. Um, and also, people were telling me that Amazon is already flooded with. Uh, you know, with all kinds of accessories, but it makes sense because people are already thinking about anything mobile in your life that could potentially have one of these tags. So, I, I mean, there's just, you just start thinking about it. And you're like, okay, maybe I want to put this on my tennis racket. Maybe I want to put this and someone's going to come up with a sport version, you know, all these different so things. So much, so much. So, I, I want, I want, honestly, it sounds, it sounds silly, but the fact that you can put little engravings on it, whether there's characters or emojis i want someone to make like a chain and then put like a a nice silver air tag holder like i would rock one if it looked cool enough i would rock it oh like you would wear it yeah wear it like a chain like a necklace thing like okay. that would be and like, it, it would have to look classy but it would be fun it's like one of those heart like you know you like yes. you give like half a heart to yes. like your your sweetie that's it's like <laughs> here's your little air tag honey and it's like uh that's uh that's a little forward for the first date <laughs> Hey, if someone, if I was a young person and someone gave me an air tag on the first date, I want to be seeing them for a while. <laughs> There's certainly, if that thing starts chirping, you know you've got problems. I don't know. <laughs> and so, what would you put your air tag on, Brian? Besides your your body, what else? What do you? Okay, what do you fine. Think? I, I know it sounds crazy, but I think I love like it has. It does have a fashionable sensibility to it, and I like playing into that. Okay, uh, definitely my keys. Mm-hmm. Um, beyond Airpods. that, well. AirPods, I think to your point, eventually the tech will get small enough where they can start building into everything. And so I don't know if the next gen AirPods Pro maybe has a U1 chip in it because the Bluetooth, uh, you know, they still have to be in range to make a noise and they have to be like out of the case. So that I've never actually it used it. It did not work for me yeah. when I lost it. Believe me, yeah. I, I tried. <laughs> it, no sound, no lo- last known location was the table I was at and that was it. And so it didn't really help. And, you know, so the idea that you can use this uh, chip to, you know, direct right to it is, is much better for the precision finding, right? Yep. I would, I would still affix one to, um, an Apple remote, whether it's the new one or the old one. We just found out that the new Apple TV remote, Siri remote does not have a U1 chip in it. So it does not support FIMI. We'll talk about Apple TV next, but, um, no, I'm jokingly saying it when I'll affix one to an actual Apple TV remote, but I kind of, no. I kind of want to in a way, especially with kids. My, my remote goes missing all the time and all I would need is that chirp. So I can, I don't even need the location just to chirp, you know, to, to sound it off. And that would be good. They, did they play the chirp noise yet? On, did they didn't. Did I didn't think so. So not I heard. I'm curious what that sounds like because you know sounds are kind of. I'm. I'm just saying. I'm. I'm it's starting. Be, I'm drinking the Kool Aid. I'm. I'm sure Apple spent many, many <laughs> dollars on the perfect sound for this thing. It's not going to be one of those like you know tiny uh, speakers that's tinny and like. Deet, deet. 
you know, no. it's going to it's going to be something beautiful. There, it reminds me, this is a total random tangent, but there was a time where Justin Bieber was interviewed about a song. And he's like, yeah, I really use these expensive sounds to produce this. And everyone kind of ripped on him. because They're like, uh, expensive sounds? Come on. Like, we know about plugins, but I'm sure actual Apple did their R&D. And may, I would, that would be actually a fun story to see if you could, of course, you would have to be able to get access of the, mm-hmm. the crackhead team that had to decide on the Wait, air tags crack? chime. Well, you know, they, they look. The- I think it's crack team. <laughs> Crackhead team is something totally different. Hey, it's 420 for the event. I'm loaded, baby. Spring loaded. Spring loaded. So uh, just to remind people, you can actually pre-order the air tags this Friday. They'll be available April 30th, $29 for one. $99 for a pack of four. I'm definitely probably going to go for the pack of four and just whether I give one to my mom and split it with my family or just keep two, but I'm going to get the four pack. Yeah, I think that's I think that's the best way to do it because you'll find you'll find a couple places to put these things. So and I'm and I'm curious, you know, again, this goes back to I think a lot of people want to see how these work in mm-hmm. every day. You know, people are asking, can I put it in my car? And I'm like, well, probably. So I think there must be a, like a, a uh, honing in. So like, let's say, cause you know, it chirps if it's not seeing, like you said, what, three days or whatever. Yeah. So it must check in. Like it must know that people are going to put this on things that it's not, that are not always going to be near them every day. You know, like maybe you put this on, like I said, your tennis racket and you know, it stays in your garage and you pull it out once a week. So is that thing going to be chirping in your garage for, mm. you know, Wednesday through Saturday? I don't know. So these are like, you know, this, this is why we test stuff and try it out and then report back. I'm going to uh, make go out on a limb and assume that it can somehow connect to your local Wi-Fi network and see that device if it's within range. Because otherwise, to your point, if it's in your garage and it's just there for three days and all of a sudden it starts chirping, well, hopefully your Wi-Fi at least reaches to your garage. Maybe it checks in through multiple ways, right? Yeah. Not just fine. by walking by it with your phone all the time. I had some uh, some ring lights put up the other day mm-hmm. and the the task rabbit guy who did it he's like oh he's like your wi-fi actually works outside i said yeah uh, i know <laughs> like i i kind of kind of know a thing or two about this stuff <laughs> i'm like he's like most people's does not he's like and they find out when i put this stuff up high and there's no connection i said yeah i've got euro so I, anyway just just a side thing it's just it's humble, just humble fun. brag humble brag uh, well, rich just, just dusting your shoulder off when, when it's the one of these things done. that people didn't realize that wi-fi doesn't really extend out to your house until they got their first ring video doorbell and it's like oh they're the signal people used to say the ring video doorbell was so horrible mm. and the reality was it wasn't the doorbell it was your wi-fi connection that was just not really meant to go outside at that point you know so anyway so a quick quick side note for people that want to know, um, the AirTag themselves have a roughly, according to Apple, over a year's worth of battery life with everyday use. And then it does have a removable cover that you can uh, have a user-replaceable battery and just use kind of one of those coin cell batteries. It's the standard, what is it, CR2-32, just, just to let people know. Yeah, yeah. So they don't have to worry about that. Okay, let's let's talk about Apple TV. Um, I'll, I'd love to hear your impressions and what stood out, what didn't, and did you care? Um, I, you know, I don't care because I think Apple TV is, I, I don't notice anything wrong with Apple TV right now. And I don't see that they added anything new, perhaps, except for the remote, obviously, and the calibration. So those were the two things that really stood out to me. I think the remote is huge because the, the dedicated power button, the dedicated mute button is yes. great. Um, 
And, you know, so I think that's good. And they recognize the fact that that other remote was a little tired. And, you know, when it comes to the speed, I mean, these Apple TV apps continue to get bigger. Um, but the reality is there's, I've tried so many streaming devices. Clearly it does not take a lot of horsepower to stream stuff. <laughs> now, maybe in the formats they're talking about this new, whatever, 60 frames, you, you know better about that stuff than I do, but I'm sure it'll be better at handling that without dropping frames or something like that. Yeah, you know, the Apple TV, even with all the tweaks they did, I'm still not going to use it any different. Even when they had the color balance calibration to optimize when you have those moments where you're going to airplay content from your phone to your TV, I think that's a feature that, uh, hey, that's cool. It's nice that you have it. But I think 99% of people will maybe only try it once. And I'm not, first of all, I don't know how often you throw photos and videos to your TV, even if it's, let's say, six times a year, I don't think you're going to be doing that calibration every time. I don't I don't think it matters enough for someone to let me run through this process, hold my phone up to my TV just so I can get what in my mind is the most optimal picture. I mean, my parents are still on a 1080p TV and they think like, like 4K is like a foreign idea to them. And so I think yeah. of the general consumer that I like that it's there, but does nothing for making me say, I've got to get this new Apple TV. Yeah, 100%. And I, I think it's a nice it's a nice thing to have. And if you think about it, it probably goes along with the person who is more of a, I, I mean, you are kind of a videophile, audiophile, like you know your stuff, but again, it's not enough to push you to upgrade for 180 bucks. And I think that that's probably across the board, but it's a nice feature to have. Now, this is a feature that could theoretically come to the existing Apple TV unless... I mean, don't you think this could be a software thing? Yes, I, I don't, this is again, you know, I haven't been able to talk to the Apple team specifically about uh, the new Apple TV yet um, and have any briefings and I don't know if I will. Uh, but for the, like you said, it, it reminds me of things like I think back in the day, Apple said, oh, Siri can only run on this iPhone because it has this processor. And later on, you can you find out to be like, uh, that's not true. And I don't know if that's one of their ways to try and, you know, move people forward. Maybe it is. Maybe it isn't. I mean, I'm not going to accuse them of that, but I don't know. I, I just don't see how the phone I feel like the phone drives more of this. If that's the actual tool that's doing the calibration that could even just send this data to the Apple TV uh, or is it really like the Apple TV has to be a part of it with the A12? I think if I call, recall, I think they might, the, the older ones might have like an A8 processor in it. I'd have to double check though. And, you know, the other part of it could be not necessarily the calibration part. It could be the the audio or the um, the video that it's sending out. Because mm -hmm. the way it works, it's, you know, so you hold your phone up to the TV. It, it gathers the data from the, the camera in your phone. It looks at the screen and then it, it calibrates. But on the Apple TV side, and the whole beauty of this is that you don't have to dive into your TV settings. So the Apple TV actually... Um, changes its output to say, okay, we're going to tone this down, we're going to tone that up, we're going to tweak this, whatever, to match what we think should be the, the perfect situation. So maybe the older Apple TV doesn't have the ability to do that, you know, switch its mm -hmm, output. Mm -hmm. I don't know. No, that's I, a good point. I thought that was interesting because, you know, you worked at uh, the same place I used to work at CNET and, you know, David Katzmeyer, <laughs> he, he is seriously, he's built a name for himself on, you know, you Google like these TVs and perfect calibration. And it's a kind of like a popular thing. Like I've done it with all my TVs. And so, um, you know, it's, it, people like it. That's for sure.
Well, I think the interesting thing is these days, and a lot of people will say it, the, the calibration that they do in the labs or in the factory level before they even deliver your TV now these days is really, really, really good. And so that's why for, for this tool, like even though I do care about the video quality, I, you know, I think honestly, I've probably tossed photos and videos um, to my TV. Maybe I kid you not, maybe once in the past two years. I just, I'm just, Are I just don't do that. It only works with the AirPlay stuff or what? Huh? You're saying this only works with AirPlay stuff or are you saying it works with you know, like I thought it worked with any movie or TV show you're watching. Oh, I was I was under the impression it was trying to calibrate what you have from. I could be wrong. I was under the impression that uh, you were calibrating the content that you record on your phone to mm-hmm. then be viewed on your TV at its best quality. Oh, okay. I I I, I could be wrong though, honestly. Well, it it, it might go be by bold. so fast. But yeah, it did go by fast. But I thought that it was it was for anything that you're watching, not just airplay content. So you know, it's like if you're watching the latest, you know, mm-hmm. Superman movie or whatever, it's gonna look its best because you've calibrated. Now I don't know. I mean, again, this is why we have to go hands on <laughs> with this stuff because you you kind of see the limitations. You know, Apple and every tech company does this. They sell the, the the tiny little features that are really cool, that are new, that are innovative, and then you 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 play with them and you see like, okay, that is cool. Or yeah, it needs some work. Or, you know, you find out three months later that it's also coming to a software update on the old device. So, you know, it's, everyone does this stuff, but I, I do think that's a neat feature and I do think there's a place for it. And, um, you know, I still think that the Apple TV is a very expensive proposition for most people, um, who are going with a streaming stick from Roku or, you know, Amazon. And that's really what I hear about the most are those two devices. And, you know, the other thing is there, this whole thing with the Apple TV really for me is they've got this remote and is this remote, even though I know it's far superior to the remote that I have, is it really worth upgrading the Apple TV? And, you know, people that are deep in the ecosystem, there's going to be the users that are going to upgrade everything. And I, I will definitely buy one to review, but I don't know if it's, I don't feel like right now it's worth spending 179 to $200 just so I can have this new remote and then still do everything for the most part exactly how I do it on the previous Apple TV. That's, yeah. that's the trick, right? Like you, if you I want agree. this new remote, you got to buy the new Apple TV. That's well, kind of the catch. Apparently, people were saying you could get it for fifty nine dollars on, you know, and it works with the uh, with the old models, and you know, from the the four K that they have now, mm-hmm. and then the I think it's the Apple TV HD, maybe they call it. Um, so yeah, it's sixty bucks. But here's the thing. Now, I think that's even even a wilder situation to sit there and say, oh, I'm going to spend sixty dollars to bring this remote to my old device when for an extra 110, now you have a whole new device that's, you know, four years newer or whatever. I don't know when the Apple TV 4k came out, but so I think there's some, there's definitely some nuances in here. And yes, there will always be those people that say, ah, my Apple TV works just fine. I do want the new remote. I'll spring for the 60 bucks. Seems a lot cheaper than one, 180. But I don't know. I mean, to me, I think it's probably best just upgrade the box and get the whole thing and get the newer mm. processor because, you know, these, like I said, these apps are only getting bigger, especially if you play games on your Apple TV, you know, the loading time of all these things. I mean, we've seen it on the iPhone, the apps, people are always like, oh, my iPhone slows down. It's like, it's really just the apps getting way more processor intensive. Yeah, that's, that's true. So uh, for you, Apple TV, would you buy, are you yay or nay? Uh, 
I think I'm good. I mean, I just plugged in my my Google TV the other day again for the first time since it launched, and I couldn't believe it. It's gotten a few software updates, and it's gotten better. So I don't know. That thing's like fifty bucks to spend one eighty on a on a streaming device, and I'd want the one with the bigger. Uh, storage too. So you're talking 200. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It's a tough sell for me. Yeah, me too. Me too. Okay. But I want that remote and I want it with the, the, the air tag. So that's, you know, 60 plus 30 plus some glue. So <laughs> hey, there, no, there, if you just hang out on Amazon long enough, there's going to be some dude from China who makes a rubberized case with a little pocket for an air tag. Cause he's, oh. he's going to know he's like, Hey, rich, I oh. got your back here. It's probably already there. I mean, <laughs> what was, do you remember that remote that came along a couple of years ago that was like a side click or something like that? And it was like, you, you, I actually had one. It was great. You, you clicked it on to the side, you know, your, your remote click, like, what is it clicked into it? What was um, it? It like attached to the, to your remote. So you can, you can add extra buttons. Like the oh power, man. Power. This was before the fire TV remote got all the buttons it needed. So anyway, yeah, remote. <laughs> <laughs> you're all, you're all, I digress. This seemed, was it a good thing for you or no? The side click? Yeah. It was great. Yeah. Okay. I thought it was awesome. Um, was it called the side click? Yeah, I think it was. Some, yeah, someone here, I guarantee you, someone else listening knows exactly what you're talking about. They still make it. They still make it, Brian. <laughs> side click universal remote attachment for Google TV. So brand new, 25 bucks. They make it for the Apple TV. They make it for the Roku. Um, so yeah, it's still it's still going. This uh, this segment was not sponsored by side click, uh, just, just in case someone was wondering. <laughs> okay let's <laughs> all right let's talk we we started getting to the the big boys the features featured products of the keynote imax the m1 imac now i have my thoughts but you're my guest and so i'd love to kind of hear your first take uh it looks beautiful yeah it, you know it's just it's i mean it's so thin it's just exactly what you would imagine apple would create right it's this great update to this computer i mean this thing just keeps getting thinner now it looks like an ipad on a on a holder you know and so i think it looks good i think it's a nice computer i think the the situation for me i didn't like the 256 storage i think that that's kind of a bummer as the default, because a lot of people, let's be honest, go with the default and 256 in this day and age with all the photos we're taking and all the videos, it's just, that's not enough. That doesn't cut it anymore. I mean, you get that in your phone now. So I think that was kind of the bummer, but otherwise I think it's going to be a great, this M1 chip has really, um, I mean, it's really just exceeded all expectations. I think, you know, with this, uh, M1 iMac, I just thought it was really interesting to hear so much chatter about how people were turned off by the design. And I I wasn't turned off by the by the design of the gates. I mean, I think it's gorgeous. And everyone, it's so interesting what people get fix people get fixated on because people are like, oh my God, its chin is so big. And they just want to like knee-jerk react it. And when I'm looking at this thing, I'm like, look at how thin that screen is. It's basically just a screen with a chin that's as thin as the screen to put the components. Like I think in person, this thing's gonna look really impressive but when you look at it through a video and you don't realize it's 11 whatever 11 and a half millimeters thin for that entire upper body uh and they've really squished down the size of it i think it's something like whatever i just remember these numbers because they keep pounding in my head 50 percent less mass and then the actual footprint is 30 percent less so the stand doesn't bow as much as the current imac design and what that allows is that you save two more inches 
of desk space as well to really push it against the wall if you want to. I think the design is super thin and I also think people just got, people almost want the rumors to be true and when they're not true, they, they kind of get mad at it. So they're, they're getting upset about something that's unofficial. And I think if we never saw all those leaks of, oh, the, the new iMac and, you know, I'm, we're pretty sure they have another iMac cooking. They're not done yet. But the new iMac will be a bezel-less iPad-like design on a stand. And everyone expected it to be exactly that. And when it wasn't, they decided to just obsess about things that, to me, weren't worth obsessing about. And that will happen. That will get there. I mean, Apple, I mean, just look at the progression of this particular machine over the past decade. I mean, it just continues to get refined. I think the bigger thing we're seeing here is really Apple has a lot of stuff right now when it comes to computers with the, you know, the laptops and the desktops and then also the iPads. And they're all kind of starting to do the same thing, but like, in different ways. And so I think that's going to be a little bit more of an issue for people as they, it's like, okay, well, do I get an iPad pro with this keyboard case or do I get this iMac? Because, you know, it's just, there's a lot of like decisions to be made when it comes to this stuff as, as a lot of these form factors get similar and, you know, but the functionality is very different. So Mm -hmm. to me, this, this iMac looks like uh, an iPad on a, you know, on a base, but Mm -hmm. the reality is it's much more powerful you know, it's a desktop computer versus iPad OS. So I don't know. It's just, but I'm sure people have thought about putting an iPad like that, you know, because you can. Yeah. And look, it's it's so thin that the, the headphone jack is actually on the side of this machine. It's not on the back. It's on the side, which is kind of crazy. Now, you know, we you kind of touched upon some of the configurations earlier and it can get kind of turned into this like tangled we you know web of what can you do and what can you not and i kind of looked at it a little more closely and the thing is that it sure it does start at 12.99 and this is for the 24 inch imac but if you really want all the features the core features the new features that stand out you kind of have to jump up to the 14.99 level so i'm just gonna kind of try and quickly break it down for people what's the differences between basically there's three configurations they offer you, but there's the base model and then there's kind of the middle tier and higher. But if you really want to talk about the base model, which is 1299, that comes with an eight core CPU and seven core GPU with the M1 chip. You go to the next level up, you're getting an eight core CPU and an eight core GPU. So you get a little boost in uh, power and performance there. The other big thing is the 1299 model only comes with two Thunderbolt USB 4 ports. But if you jump up to the next level and higher, you get two Thunderbolt ports and then two additional USB 3 ports. So that gives you four ports total. You can't get that on the 1299 model. So that mm-hmm. that that's a thing for expansion. You also can only get the gigabit Ethernet option on the middle tier, the 1499 and higher. So basically, if you're getting a 1299 iMac, you're expecting to go wireless, but the gigabit ethernets and higher that actually connects to like the power brick because there's no power supply in this, at least in the body of the iMac. So that's also why they're able to get it so thin. But I thought it was really genius because you don't have to get another cable dangling off the back of your iMac. You just plug it in where there's already a cord. I thought that was pretty slick as well. Uh, that makes a lot of sense, that feature. And, and you know, as we're getting more and more wireless, I mean, this definitely fits the bill. And if you want to get that 
connection. If you're if you're setting up a desktop computer, you probably want a wired connection anyway. Like you're you're open to that. Mm-hmm. So um, you know why not have that in the in the base versus the actual computer? You know you're plugging in somehow that cable's got to get to the wall, and the other cable is probably coming up from the floor too. So I mean it makes a lot of sense. But again, you kind of said what you know, it takes a little digging to figure this stuff out. You know, you get those two extra um, USB 3 ports, which on a desktop computer, you probably want some more Mm -hmm. ports because you're probably going to have more stuff plugged in. Uh, That's why you're going with a desktop that's not movable versus a a laptop. Um, You know, and the little things like the GPU, I don't know how many, how much one core makes a difference with the GPU. I'm not sure. But, uh, you know, but the hard drive, again, still starts at 256, which you know, I mean, you could probably get by with that, but I mean, I think I have a terabyte on my laptop and that's still like just barely making it. And I do a lot of video stuff. So, I mean, that's, that's probably why. Well, also person doesn't need that. But even, even if you're a, a, you know, someone who's using your phone camera to record 4k video and pictures, you need more, you need more swords in 256. Like you make a great point there. Yeah, I mean, you you wouldn't be able, you wouldn't even be able to sync your iPhone to this computer. <laughs> I mean, not that anyone does that anymore, but still, you know. And I get it; everything's going to the cloud, and maybe you just don't need that. But I still have this dream, Brian, of one day downloading my entire cloud to my computer to actually organize it and like go through everything. But I can't because I've got you know now I'm at two terabytes in the cloud. And I have no way, my computer's one terabyte, so I can't download everything. It's really, it's like I'll never be able to organize my cloud until storage gets so cheap where base storage is like four gigs. You know how you, know how you made fun of, uh, oh, sorry. you're all making fun of the person who still like connects their phone to their computer to back it up? You're, ta- you're, ta- you're, ta- you're talking to him. You're talking to him. Are you, well, you, you know. You gotta watch your mouth, Rich Demiro, if you want to come are back. Are you not paying for iCloud? Is that what's happening here? I think I pay like the one, I pay that minimal, the most minimal okay. amount, I think. Okay. Yeah. I mean, look, if you can get away with it and do that, there's nothing wrong with it. I mean, the whole <laughs> I know, iCloud I know, I know. is that it's simple and it's easy. So most people do that. But I mean, there's no, there's no physical reason why you have to do that. Like the backup is just as good on your computer, if not until, better. Until. It dies. So, uh, <laughs> but your computer's not going to die, no, and your phone's not going to be lost in the same day. So it's a you still got two. I'm, you know, you, I'm, you're still okay. I'm gonna knock on the lay the wood leg of this uh, here, right here. That because you said that, I'm, I'm getting scared when we talk like that. <laughs> so the uh, are you know the other thing about this? Clearly, the colors harkens back to. I love the nostalgia involved here, and I actually I really love how it's super popping on the back i was actually surprised when i first saw it and they were promote they were showing it rotate i'm like ooh, that that i said to myself oh the colors would be too intense looking at it so i like how it's more muted on the front now also the size of this it's not going to have that big of a footprint i know you have a family so is this a type of machine that you would ever consider as kind of like a a family machine or anything like that or or that that's not how you guys do things because i think it's it really makes sense a hundred percent. That's, that's exactly what I'm considering, um, doing. And so my kid right now has a, a, you know, my old MacBook pro and it's working fine. So, I mean, there's not, there's not any change that needs to happen right now, but yeah, I like the idea of a family PC that's kind of like in the kitchen area that's just sitting there and just ready to go. Um, and this definitely, I'm not going to buy Let's put it this way. I guess to put it in a different way, I would not buy a laptop to replace the laptop because my kid doesn't need a laptop, you know? So like this is, this is more affordable than a laptop because it's a larger system. So, you know, I just have to figure out the, the 
storage situation. But otherwise, I mean, even at the twelve ninety nine, you know, that would probably be fine for a lot of people that are just just have a student at home or something. But again, you know, I always say you're spending the twelve ninety nine. You're already going that far. So to spend an extra two hundred for the for little upgrades, I think is worth it in the end. Totally. Probably. I completely agree. And then even something like the Magic Keyboard on the 1299 model is not the Touch ID version. And so right. you want the Touch ID version because if you have a family, that allows you to log in with any user. I love I loved that they brought that to the table on this. Like slide your finger, you, your wife, your kids, it goes to their profile immediately. Like that's that's cool. That's yeah, that is cool. smart. And and again, the like you said, the Ethernet connection. You said that's only on the the upper one, yeah, right? The middle, the middle, and higher because there's right. three. Right. So I mean, if you have this thing set up at home and it's again, it's not moving, so there's no reason why you wouldn't want to plug it in to have that fast mm-hmm. internet compared to you know a wireless uh, Wi-Fi connection. So mm-hmm. you, you're putting yourself at a disadvantage in your house if you do have access to an Ethernet. Maybe you don't. But if you do and it's easy and you can plug it in, you know, you're definitely going to get a, a more solid connection and a faster speed than you would with a Wi-Fi connection. All right. So uh, IMAX start at $12.99, um, starting at $12.99. But we definitely, if you're looking at this, you, you kind of got to go up to $14.99 and then bump up the storage and do a little bit of extra. You can bump them up to two terabytes of storage, at least for, again, the middle tier model, the 1499 and higher. Um, You can max out the RAM to 16 gigs on all the models if you'd like, but the pre-orders will start for this on April 30th, and then they'll be available sometime in the second half of May. So uh, you're on the fence, but you're considering it, Rich, yay, nay? Uh, I would definitely, you know, I've I've actually think this would be my next purchase. So, Mm -hmm. Um, and also don't forget about the... uh, the new, what's that? I forget what the feature's called, but it kind of like the camera follows you as you walk around. Oh, I thought that was only on the iPad Pro. Oh, sorry. Am I, am I? You're, okay. you're right. I'm, you're right. But I, they didn't show that for the iMac, but they did right. show it for the iPad Pro. But it's only because you're thinking, you're thinking, you're jumping ahead, Rich. I told well, you to no, stop I'm, that. I'm thinking that the iMac has, um, it, they increased the camera quality yeah. and the audio quality on both ends versus the mics and the speaker. So they, they clearly knew that that was a pain point as well, that these things, you know, more people are just recording themselves. Remember Walt Mossberg? I don't know if you remember this. Of course. Okay. He used to record his reviews on his uh, iMac. Are you like serious? That was, yeah, like that's how he used to record his reviews for like a long time. I did not Where remember he, that. He just sat in front of his iMac and just recorded them. I mean, I assume there it was an iMac, but yeah. Anyway, that's maybe it was David Pogue, one of them. <laughs> <laughs> one of them. You know what? I you do make a great point though because we've seen um, that we didn't touch upon the microphones and the audio on Apple devices, they really started committing to them uh, with their MacBook Pros. I mean, they're pretty amazing. I I can record audio and it's more than passable. Like I could record an entire podcast, quite honestly, at least if I have a little soundproofing around me on a MacBook and uh, at least the current models. So for them to bring that to the iMac, as well as the fact that with their new speaker system here, it supports Dolby Atmos and spatial audio. I'm not saying you're gonna curl up to an iMac to watch a movie, but with 24 inches, if you're in a college dorm or things like that, you Uh, will watch movies on this thing. Absolutely, and kids, they'll be watching YouTube. I mean, there's definitely, you know, no matter what, yes, people are watching stuff on their computer screens um, all the time. So I I don't think that that's uh, something to be discounted either. you know, having good audio and it is very important, especially with the work from home stuff, you know, more people will be doing that. So I think I'm glad that Apple has, you know, recognized that and, and definitely is making it a thing because um, 
it, it makes a difference. I was interviewing, actually, it was Lance Ulanoff, our, our mutual mm-hmm, friend. Mm-hmm. And, you know, everyone I interview on Zoom, you know, they all look kind of the same. And then when I interviewed Lance, I'm like, what kind of camera do you have? And he's like, oh, it's just a camera in the surface. I was like, it is considerably better than like 99% of the people I've interviewed with their, you know, typical webcams. He's like, oh, well, it's just anyway. So I looked it up and it's just like an HD cam. But like, I remember that certain manufacturers do make a a bigger deal out of like the cameras and microphones. Mm -hmm. And it does make a difference. Yeah, totally does. You know, for this this iMac, I absolutely want one, but I kind of need to wait out the landscape and see if they do this rumored 30 inch is esque iMac. And then also what is the new Mac pros look like in the future? Like as a content creator, I've got to kind of wait to see the entire landscape before I make a decision. Like oh. I, I still haven't, I, even though I want to get one, I still haven't purchased an M one laptop yet because I'm waiting for the 16 inch, whether it's an M one or an M one X. And I think it's smart to wait it out, but I did review them. I sent back the review units. Uh, I wanted to keep it. I wanted to buy it, but I'm like, I'm not in a position where I can just spend a thousand bucks just to have it laying around. But uh, okay, so you you raise a good point because I I'm curious about this too. Like, how long is the runway on this M1? Like, do you see that in any upcoming devices, or is this the end of the road? You said the M1X. Is this the end of the road? This iMac for the M1? Uh. It might be, but this is the the way that I look at it. First of all, the M1 is leaps and bounds ahead of arguably anything else other than high-end enterprise server type processors on the market that whether you're a content creator, whether you're a general user, this thing is going to scream for a while until we start really dealing when we get to the point where we're all shooting with 8K cameras and we need like that next, next thing. I I think this is going to be fine. I mean, the M1, even with eight gigs of RAM, it can still cut five layers of 4K video. So it's got more than enough power. I mean, as a pro, do I always want the most power available to me? Yes, but would I be, if I bought an M1 and then they released an M1X that potentially has more cores and is a lot better performing two months from now or three months from now, yeah, I'd be frustrated. But I think for, again, 90, let's say 90% of users, the M1 is going to be fine, and it's going to be fine for years. I mean, even talk about the power efficiency, uh, how quiet it is. This we we almost forget how special the M1 is right now because we're used to the fact that oh, they're putting in an iPad now. Oh, they have an yeah. iMac, but it always is kind of the foundation. We saw what they did with the MacBook Air and the um, MacBook Pro 13. The ne- the next level, right? They're really going to try and take another leap for their Pro Pros and kind of distinguish that at least from their their mac side so and it's it's so wild to think that this is just their first generation i mean i know they're making chips for the iphone forever but like the reality is that this is their first go at it and it's i mean there wasn't a person that i saw review it that wasn't blown away and more you know even the skeptical folks Mm -hmm. they said no this is the real deal like this is amazing and the software has not caught up yet. Like we're not even there yet with yep. some of the software. I mean, some of the other hardware surrounding this. I mean, it's just we're at the beginning of of a really major shift with computing because of this chip. Yeah, and you know, for me, even though everyone says get on Final Cut, look, I'm just more efficient on Adobe Premiere, and it would take oh. me probably a week to like change all my habits and learnings. And so, I've stuck with Adobe Premiere, knowing that the M1 chip on a Final Cut is 
blazing right now, but I also trust that even though I've got to wait, Premiere is going to eventually come to the M1 and then I'll be fine and I won't even really miss this six to nine month gap that I didn't have it, you know? We, I, I'm a Final Cut person and our company switched to Premiere. <laughs> and so now I'm using both and I'll be honest, Brian, trying, your brain is not equipped to remember <laughs> shortcuts for two different editing programs. No, it's not. Oh my, so it takes me double the, as long to do anything anymore because I'm, I'm, I refuse to give up my final cut. I you love shouldn't. it so much. You shouldn't. And so I, I, I do my KTLA stuff on, uh, on Adobe, like I have to, and then, uh, I just use premiere whenever, or sorry, uh, final cut whenever I have, whenever I can. And for my stuff or, you know, anything I do, I, I know though, that if, and well, let's start talking about the iPad Pro and kind of transition over it to it because we're talking about the M1, we're talking about the speed. But if the iPad Pro with this new M1 chip, if it can eventually actually run some flavor of Final Cut Pro and I can actually edit mobily, that is what for me would really put me over the edge to be like, okay, it's time to learn Final Cut because, you know, the iPad Pro, Apple had this fun, snazzy intro that was like very Mission Impossible-esque. And then Tim pops off his mask because he takes the M1 chip from a MacBook Pro, oh my God, and puts it into the iPad Pro. And I did scream. I was like, oh my God, they're going to do it because we'd heard uh, they're going to get an A14X chip, whatever that the, the name they were throwing out there, that will be like an M1. But it's different when they actually put maybe psychologically too, is different when they're actually physically putting an M1 into the iPad Pro. And I felt like this was just, I don't know if this is or not, but by putting an M1 in an iPad Pro the way they did, you've got, because WWDC is coming in a month and a half, which is a really short time, I've got to imagine they have more to show us with the iPad Pro than they did and they couldn't. And I'm hoping that that's the case. Maybe I'm being a little optimistic, but you don't just throw an M1 in the iPad Pro and say, oh yeah, it works with everything that it works with without something radically changing with that device as well. That's how I feel. And, and what do you mean when something changes radically? Are you just talking about the, the editing software or something more? Um, more from a standpoint of finally giving us some sort of uh, pipeline to go from tablet to desktop okay. from, from a Mac, from a Mac user's it. perspective, like that's deep in the yep. ecosystem, whether it's, yes. you know, I've been begging... The iPad Pro has never reached and even come close to utilizing all the power it has. So it's funny. They're like, hey, we got an M1 chip in the iPad Pro now. It's 50% faster than the iPad, let's see, iPad Pro fourth generation. But I laughed because I'm like, yeah, but we still never even use like half of the power of that thing. And so if because of the fact that it's now an M1, right, it can run, there's the, the hooks between the softwares there. I'm just hoping that we see something that, whether it's a change in iPad OS, we've got a magic keyboard now in year two, things like that have got to change where where we'll see if they push us a little more towards even more PC-like use or not, even though I know that the iPad is really, Apple wants it to be its own thing, like not like a PC. I, yeah, They want it to be its own thing, even yeah. with the magic keyboard. But for, I mean, for me, it's a dream scenario. If I, I mean, I'm looking at my laptop right now and it's basically, uh, you know, it's an iPad with a keyboard, except there's no touch. And there's things you can do. Like to me, you know, like I don't really want to watch Netflix on my laptop if I go on a, mm -hmm. on a trip, you know, like a business trip. But to me, it feels like, you know, if you have an iPad, that's, you know, it, there's just certain ways of using it that are a little bit different than a, than a laptop. And I, I also would love to be able to, I would just love to have one device that's everything. 
And so, you know, if you're going, you know, I always think of traveling because that's kind of what I do. And, you know, it's just, it just would be so nice to have that, that flexibility to go from like business productivity to, you know, watching a movie or just kind of doing things that you do on the iPad, like surf the web in a different way where you're kind of like the iPads in your lap or you're browsing the newspaper. So I just think that that lends itself better on like, yes, of course I can go to, you know, wallstreetjournal.com on my laptop, but that's different than like flipping through the app, you know? Well, I think you make a great point though, Rich. Like I have said for years, the iPad Pro is the most intimate piece of tech that I have because I can sit and read and lie down and use it in all these different positions that you just can't with any other tech product, quite honestly, that has a screen like that. And even when you talked about, oh, I like, I'd rather watch movies on an iPad than on a laptop. And I 100% agree with you. It's such a first world luxury, but it it feels like a theater. It feels more like a big screen theater instead of you're looking at the keyboard, right? You're seeing this glow and everything. Uh, 100%. And it's like, sometimes I'm just like, oh, it'd be so nice if the keyboard just (laughs) folded backwards and I didn't have to see it. You know, it's just, it feels like I'm working if I have that, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, And so I don't know, we'll see. I mean, editing is the big thing for me. Now, I mean, I've been editing more and more on my iPhone, you know, social media stuff. So I think it could be done on the, I've never actually edited like a, I've never edited anything on my, on a tablet. So I I should try it and see, but I've definitely done it on my phone, but I never even thought of doing it on the tablet because, you know, the the video is native when you shoot it. For me, if I do like a social media video, Mm -hmm. I'll shoot it on my phone. So the the video lives on my phone and it's just easier to kind of edit it on my phone. But if you're taking, you know, 18, 25 clips and then, you know, you got transfer them to your iPad and, you know, somehow you can airdrop them, whatever. But it's still like a little bit, you know, it's just easier just to do it on your phone. But I don't know. We'll see. Yeah. It, the thing is, everyone talk, that has v- edited video on an iPad Pro talks about LumaFusion. I mean, it was really funny because Apple, during the keynote, I'd never seen them talk about LumaFusion so much oh, in my what? life. I know. It was like everywhere, right? It was like there's Luma no Fusion. time code on it. That's what kills me about LumaFusion. Maybe they've changed it, but you know, I've tried, but there's as far as I can tell, I live and die by time code because mm-hmm. you know, I'll paper edit something and then, you know, give it to my editor and you know, for for KTLA, not for my own stuff. Like I'm not talking social media, I'm talking like stories <laughs> of <on> TV. <laughs> and you know, he, we go by time code. So if you can't read the time code, it's that's kind of tricky. I can't log stuff on there, you know, because if you log in real time and then he's using time code, it's like it doesn't match up and it's a whole big thing. So anyway, we digress. I think the uh, the ultra wide. Now, can I talk about the ultra wide? Let's let's talk about the ultra wide camera, the center stage. So this is uh, the feature that kind of keeps you, uh, you know, framed up. It's we've seen it before. Google has it on their Nest Hub Max and Facebook has it on their portal, which we know is in so many homes. Um <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, wait, I don't know how I do. But sadly enough, I know someone who bought it and I scolded them after they bought it. I'm like, why did you buy that? It's freaking Facebook with a camera in your home. Yeah, I don't that that did not do well. I don't think I mean, look, it's it, it's just Facebook has a tough, you know, they yeah, they've they've got a tough road ahead of them, especially with this new iOS 14.5 coming out. It's going to be it's a it's game be changer better. on that. Yeah really is. But anyway, so that's, that's it. And then, you know, I like the cellular, the 5g is, you know, it's a small thing, but you know, 5g is that matures is really cool. It it does have a lot of potential for like, just not needing to find a hotspot, you know, especially if you're dealing with like large files and, you know, we all know how insecure open Wi-Fi networks or shared Wi-Fi networks can, can be. I mean, usually we don't have a problem, but you never know. Well, you know, I think I felt like I thought you were going to dig deeper into the ultra wide camera because 
that was other okay first off we'll we will talk about the display but when i saw the center stage announcement i was like damn i've needed that on my ipad so much because you know my family's in the bay area we probably and i have nieces and nephews we probably video call once a week at least and that is probably one of the most crucial things that i need is something where i can move around it can track me the location of the camera on the ipad pro isn't ideal because it's not centered it's like it's off to the edge so bad it's off to the edge there's no good there's (laughs) no good angle on that thing that's what i'm saying and so i was like damn I would literally use that every day. So that was a key, quite honestly, that was a selling point for me even, and the M1, even before I saw the display. So I was like, okay, you almost have me now, Apple. Like, I didn't think I was going to upgrade my iPad Pro, but that is a huge difference for me personally. And the good news is that feature will trickle down to the $329 iPad over the next, you know, three years, you know, (laughs) they got to get their mileage out of it on this one, but it will come to the other devices. And that just goes to show that, again, it's one of these places where Apple sort of knew there was a pain point and people were, you know, my wife took one look at the, uh, I, I gave her the iPad to do a Zoom call one time and she's like, this is horrible. She's like, it's the worst angle. I'm like, just go with it. You know, it's like, ugh. So people, <laughs> just, people notice these things. Just just go with it, honey. And um, so, yeah, that that was there. And then, you know, the iPad, the display, now that we're getting there, I did not expect the, they're calling it, the Liquid Retina XDR display, but I did not expect it to be as good as what they showed. I mean, they're literally matching stat for stat. You have a pro display XDR that fits in a bag now. The contrast ratio is the same, one million to one. The... Uh, Bright nits, the it's 1000 nits brightness, but 1600 peak, which is exactly the same as a pro display XDR. And I was, I was like, damn, as a creative or a creator that's on the go, the fact that you can get pretty much a true one to one look of what you would see on your bigger display at home, if you have a setup like that. That's going to matter. You get Thunderbolt for faster hard drives and the ability to connect to more displays and things of that nature. A lot of these features that they were throwing out at this current generation 2021 iPad Pro to me feels like stuff that is absolutely geared towards pros um, because, sure, you could buy it and I could still use it the same way that I've always used it. But I feel like Apple's trying to push me in a different direction. And that's why I don't know if I've heard the complete story of the iPad Pro. It's like, they're throwing in a lot of pro devices that most people, general consumer, honestly doesn't need other than they want the biggest screen on an iPad. And then they really want that mini LED HDR finally coming back to the iPad Pro. Like Otherwise, I would tell most consumers, don't get an iPad Pro 12.9 inch. You don't need it. No, and they don't. And Apple knows that. But but this is kind of like the thing with all Apple products. We've seen so many of their devices that are consumer grade, um, you know, used by professionals and, and creators. And so I think Apple, you know, of course they know that. Mm -hmm. And this is just one more example of that. And we're seeing, you know, we're definitely seeing, um, a continued drive for digital content creation and digital content consumption. And so why not give these people these options? And and we need a company that kind of pushes the envelope with all this stuff because, you know, left to their own devices, you know, the average consumer, when you're just looking, I mean, and I'm not knocking anyone, but this is, people are price driven. So when they go into a Walmart and this is, I'm talking just, you know, average person going, you know, they go to the electronics section and they've heard me, Rich DeMiro, tell them like, 
what they should get when it comes to like a Bluetooth speaker that's, you know, $99 for the UE Boom, let's say, whatever. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And they go in there and they see one for 30 and it's an off brand and they go, well, how could it be that different? And they go with the off and it's, you know, and then I get an email, oh, this, this is terrible. I'm like, well, you didn't go with my recommendation. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> but, but this is how people think. And so, you know, these are not necessarily for consumers. I don't, I don't really see consumers spending $12.99. Even the 329 iPad, which I recommend to everyone in the world mm -hmm. because it's just the perfect tablet, it's too expensive for a lot of people. They mm -hmm. say that's, that's just too much. And I, I agree, it is more than like a $99 Amazon Fire HD. <laughs> and they say, well, what does it do differently? And I'm like, well, they're like, can I play Netflix? I'm like, yes. And like, can I do my email? I'm like, yeah. And they're like, okay, well, what's the difference? And it's tough to explain the, the use, the daily like kind of experience yeah. of it. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's a, that's a great point. I mean, you know, I, us, we're constantly following this stuff. I'm like, damn, I'll, I, I feel the difference every second I'm holding and using that device. Right. But to them, right. they're not, they're not thinking of it that way. Right. Right, it's and more price driven. Exactly. My goodness. Okay, so um, for let people know, the iPad Pro with the M1. Uh, I went into that keynote not expecting to feel like I needed to upgrade. I went into that keynote not even wanting Apple to convince me to upgrade. Uh, but I'm pretty sure I'm still not a hundred percent sure. But with everything that I've seen, it sounds so silly that center stage is what is going to put me over the top to probably get this. But it's what's probably going to put me over the top to get this. I haven't upgraded my iPad since the 2018 model, and uh, I hope that I can use it and kind of take advantage of some of these new things. But the 11-inch model is $799. That does not have the Liquid Retina XDR display. The, only the 12.9-inch one does, so that uh, lines up with what the rumors had told us or kind of informed us about. Uh, it'll be $1099 starting for the 12.9-inch iPad Pro with the M1. The Here's the thing. If you really want to go ham... They uh, hard as a mofo for those that didn't understand that. Um, <laughs> the iPad Pro 12.9 inch can go up to two terabytes of storage the first time that it can do that. But I just played around. If you really want to max out the ultimate iPad Pro experience, you get the 12.9 inch display, you get the two terabytes of storage, you get the 5G um, and Wi Fi cellular add on. Your final retail price will be. $2,399, Rich Demiro. Wow. That's a lot. But, you know, there's not many people doing that. That's on par with a laptop, you know? Yeah. And if you're, I mean, I don't know what the use case is, but, you know, look, if, you, if you're working on the road every day, I think that's more for someone who's doing business on the road that needs, you know, maybe they're doing presentations. They want to, you know, don't forget, there's a lot of people that are, using their their screen to show people stuff right they're like it's in their hand and mm -hmm. it's like hey let me flip through these slides so there is a use case for all these different things and you know maybe you want to have your entire photo collection always on your ipad maybe you're a photographer and you want to have you know as many pictures as possible that you can edit on there i mean there's just so many possibilities and the the one that you just mentioned is clearly the extreme case but <laughs> you're getting a good product and you're getting you know the most use you can out of an ipad i mean it's by far the best tablet on the market today, let's whether you're looking at the entry level price, even like to your point, the 329 iPad, like any I I would other than maybe the Samsung Galaxy Tab S7 Plus, there's not another tablet that I would seriously ever consider over an iPad. No, and there's no apps for that. No, uh, S7 Plus. I mean, no. the apps are the beauty of the iPad is not the. I mean, it's the device. Yes, it's beautiful and it's well crafted, but 
the availability of these apps mm-hmm. that you're going to have, like people always email me. They're like, oh, my kid needs an iPad, uh, a tablet. Can I just get him, you know, whatever? And I'm like, no, like if you want your kid to be like, not just downloading a bunch of random games that are, you know, rotting <laughs> their brain, like get them an iPad where they can actually do stuff. You know, there, there are smart apps on there that you just don't find on the other ones. And I'm not knocking the Android side of things. It's just, you know, the, the, the user base of the iPad is so broad. And the developer network is just so Amazing. intense. There's just stuff you don't find on the other side. I heard the dad side of you come out when you said useless game that rots oh. your brain. That, oh, yeah. That, that, that's, da- that's Daddy Rich talking right there, man. Oh, yeah. But iPads are banned during the week in my house. <laughs> Dude, my nephews, I don't know. They're, they're on this stuff pretty hardcore. A quick side thing. $349 for the Magic Keyboard. Now, it's kind of interesting because um, I looked at the measurements of the iPad, the new iPad Pro. It is 0.5 millimeters thicker. It weighs 0.11 pounds heavier. Uh, Apple recommends that there is a Magic Keyboard specifically for this 2021 edition iPad Pro. But then I just saw a report earlier that said you could still use the older Magic Keyboard um, with this new iPad Pro, I again, when this stuff is early on, a lot of things kind of fly around. So I'm hoping to get clarification on that uh, from Apple eventually. Like, what is the case? Get get it? Okay. Uh, anyways, <laughs> Magic Keyboard 349, and then uh, $149 for Apple Care on that. Those will be available for pre-order Friday. Oh, sorry pre-order April 30th for the iPad Pros and then available again the second half of May. Mm, gotta wait. Those in the IMAX. Yeah. So, okay. So, do you know offhand, I can't remember, what time do the Friday pre-orders start at? Like, what time in the morning uh, is it? It's 5 a.m. Pacific, I thought. Okay, okay. That thought it was, but I, you know, it could be that I just remember seeing that little thing thrown around, so I... You might be right. I, I, do I wake I up at 5 a.m. now? I was looking up the AirTags today to see because I might be wild enough to just pre-order them so I have them like immediately. Oh, I'm going to do that, dude. Are you? <laughs> I got I to review this crap. It's like, hey, oh, you didn't get them in hand. 5 a.m. Pacific on 423. Thank you. That that's great. Good good great confirmation there. So okay, we we talked about all these hardware products. Um, so going down the list. Sounds like you're definitely going to get AirTags. Am I correct? I think so. I will be there as well. Apple TV, I will get one to review, but I definitely, I don't think I'll be keeping it quite honestly. Yeah, I think I'll I'll skip that just to, I mean, I, I don't know. I am intrigued by the remote. I am too, so but 60 I, bucks for the remote. I know. I mean, and that, you know, at the, when you think about it, it doesn't sound that expensive if you're like, well, I'm not spending 180. So <laughs> yeah, exactly. 60, I mean, 60 is a much easier purchase than 200, you know? 100%, 100%. IMAX, sounds like you're you're strongly considering. It'll probably be the M2 by the time I get that. <laughs> so be- I'll see you in a couple of years then, yeah? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> iPad Pro for me, uh, I'm like 80% there of, of pulling the trigger on it. Wow. I, I need to get a new computer before I do that. That's my computer still. I mean, I have a 16 inch MacBook Pro, so it's still got some life left. But I if they switch that over to an M1 or M1, whatever, I, I would be intrigued. Oh, I mean, me, MacBook Pro, the MacBook Pro 16 inch is what I am just basically waiting on right. to, to drop this little side honey pot that I have. I, I'm just waiting for it. Like, that's the one I know I'm going to get. This is the beauty of having kids, Brian, is that I'm, I have a, you know, it's like, well, I can hand this down to, uh, 
one of the kiddos. And my wife is like, well, they both have computers. I'm like, well, you know, one of them has, it's all crapware. <laughs> well, it is the beauty of having kids. I, I do know that not having kids right now at this moment, the honeypot is a little bigger than it probably yeah. will ever be. Oh, I don't course. even know if there's a honeypot. There's no um, honeypot. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. It's it's called uh, your kids need new. Okay, I'll give you an example. <laughs> Just getting your kids haircuts. It's like you're you're uh. sitting there. It's like ninety bucks for like you know a couple of you to go to the haircut place. So it's just it's money just runs through. Have you ever had sand in your hands? That's what it's like when you have kids <laughs> with your money. I have. Uh, you know, I'll get there, bro. I'll I'll, I'll lean on you for guidance. <laughs> you're not gonna get it from me because. <laughs> <laughs> my kids, my kids are sometimes are uh, you know kids are kids. Sometimes are good. They behave when they need to. Let's put it that way. That's good. That that's all you can ask for, Rich. Yes. All right, man. Um, thank you so much for hanging out and spending time. Always love talking to you. It's like it's literally one of our ways that we just catch up because this is what we talk about anyways. Um, please tell the audience where again they can find your awesome work, Rich. Well, after listening to me on this podcast, if you still want to hear me <laughs> talk more. Uh, you can find my podcast. It's rich on tech and, uh, my website is rich on tech.tv where you can, you know, browse some of my stories from TV or whatever. And then, you know, you can keep on, keep in touch on Twitter if you like that or Instagram. I like doing that uh, these days. That's at rich on tech. And, uh, those are all the places I'm, I'm, you know, I love social media. I'm having fun with it. You didn't Brian. talk about your podcast. I did. I said podcast rich on tech, didn't oh, I? Maybe Thought you I did. did. Okay, fine. But you, you probably podcast, did. Um, and I'm, I immediately, you didn't, you didn't talk about Apple podcast subscriptions, but, uh, I'm going to immediately institute that. No, 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 but for you, it makes look, no, no, no. I, why wouldn't you? Why I wouldn't can't, you? I, well, my, my podcast is owned by KTLA. So oh, I, okay. right now it's a KTLA thing. <laughs> hey, so, I mean, it's not, you know. I like KTLA. I'm just saying this, of course, you're not going to do this, but like KTLA would even know if you put on, turned on Apple subscriptions oh and gave some like, ex, like put out an exclusive episode, you know, once a month and they wouldn't even know. They wouldn't they even would, know. You're right. Because nobody there is listening to yeah. it. That's for sure. The, um, <laughs> yeah, but no, you're right. But I, I, I find that to be really fascinating. I think for creators like yourself that are independent, I think it's amazing. And, um, you know, you have to pay $20 a year to sign up for that though. Well, yeah, I mean, it to me, it's what's interesting about it. I would have to see the platform. I obviously wouldn't put my current podcast on it because it's already independently and is helped funded by Patreon. Patreon.com slash Brian Tong for those of you that are listening that can support it. Um, no, but but so I wouldn't put my current podcast on it, but maybe if I did another project down the road, I might explore it just to see what the platform's like. And it's it's interesting. So what you bring up is is indicative of what a lot of people are trying to figure out is there's a lot of different platforms right now Already. and the the unification of all these different things is is tricky for a creator because you want to be there but you're already doing one thing and it's like they don't really play nice so you got to uh, you know we'll we'll all figure it out or, yeah like, I, i'm curious to see because in a weird way apple who is arguably you know was there in the beginning when podcasts started They've lost that cachet where people think of podcasts with Apple now. I mean, you have Spotify, you have all these other platforms that have invested and are now really kind of more known as a podcast destination spot. And so until Apple starts maybe acquiring high profile podcasts to kind of drive people towards this idea of their subscription plan, it'll, it's going to be interesting to see because I think the dynamic has shifted of, look, I didn't go, I mean, I use Apple Podcasts, 
but they never had an option for me to try and uh, monetize it. And I'm probably doing better because it's people that are supporting me are supporting all my content by sticking with Patreon and never going to Apple's platform. Mm-hmm. And so, that's, that's a, you know, and you'll just have to see, you know, if, it, if the momentum shifts or, you know, maybe, I mean, ideally in an ideal world, these things would play nice together, you know, like mm-hmm. Patreon could somehow link up with Apple mm-hmm. and give people their subscriptions that way. But you know, it's, it's just, that's not the reality right now. And yeah. it's like, you know, if someone subscribes to you or joins you on YouTube, do they get the Patreon? So it's a whole thing. So it's a, you know, but believe me, we're in the, we're just in the beginning of this independent creator phenomenon. So it, it will work itself out. It will just take a while. Yeah. All right, Rich. Well, thank you again, my friend. Always awesome to talk to you. And uh, I guess we'll do it again sometime. Oh, thank you. Thanks, Brian. Thanks for having me on. I really appreciate it. And it was, uh, it was fun to talk about all this stuff. All right, bro. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks. All right, so there you go, Rich and I talking shop. I, I'm sure we might have missed some things here and there. I mean, Apple jam-packed that event with five pieces of hardware in an hour, two little quick software announcements. So I would love to hear your thoughts, maybe in response to some of ours, but really, what did you think of the event? What did you like the most? Some people weren't that impressed, but I've noticed this trend where people almost want to watch an Apple event and see something that Apple shows them that they want to buy. And if they don't, they think it's a lame event because Apple didn't give them a reason to buy something. I don't know if you've felt that or understand what I'm trying to say, but I saw that a lot in comments. I thought that was like kind of weird, but an interesting psychology of this anticipation and wanting to, literally wanting them to give you a reason to spend money and in turn maybe feel good about that i don't know i thought it was different so all you got to do call in record that voice memo applebitsshow at gmail.com that's applebits with a z all right before we go we got to give big thanks to our platinum apples that's the 100 dollars patreon level Thank you so much, Brandon Ledford, Gil Cabrera, Wesley Frader, Jarrett Lewis, Eric Cohen, and Atari Koenigsegg. Thank you for your continued support. Thank you to all of you. Wow, we keep on doing this. We're allowed. I am allowed to do this because of you. So patreon.com slash Brian Tong is how you can continue to support this show. But we had a long show. We went deep. I want to hear what you all think. Call in. Let's have some fun. We'll talk to you all next week. That's going to do it for the Apple Bits XL this week. Take care. We'll talk to you soon. Peace.